0: I lied, I cheated, I bribed men to cover the crimes of other men. I am an accessory to murder, but the most damning thing of all, I think I can live with it.
1: That just brings me back to feeling like I'm eight years old. <laughs> Boom,
0: <laughs> right there. That's like the Cisco mic drop in a nutshell. It just perfectly encapsulates. Like, I talked too much about deep space. Nine. okay. It's we're not, not your there. Turn yet. yet. Welcome, guys. Welcome to episode 11. Uh, we're we're sorry this one's come a little late. Um, but you know,
1: life happens. We yeah. get sick. We get stressed. Yeah, and- and we
0: have multiple birthdays and craziness and just yeah. Like Jack said, life happens. But I am your host, Bob Barrow.
1: And I am your co-host, Jacqueline Barrow. And this week,
0: episode... No, I'm not wrong. Technically, this is a week. It's 52 of them each year, and I'll say whatever I want, damn it.
1: It is episode 1D1.
0: (laughs) Yep, episode 1D1.
1: (laughs) It never made sense to me why we don't call 11 1D1. We had to make up a whole new word.
0: Okay, Lay out your logic for this, Jack, because you've you've given a lot of time to... Planning out this uh, well, there's this like madness.
1: Twenty-two, thirty-two, forty-two, all those things. So okay. why do we go from ten to like eleven, brand new number instead of just saying what it is? One d one, one d two, one d three, one d four
0: makes perfect sense. And
1: then we go to twenty. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Well,
0: wouldn't it want to be like two d one, two d two. Two D three. That
1: sounds like something the French would do. Yeah. <laughs> so we're adding. You're asking us to add yeah. while do, we're do counting. Do the math
0: while you're counting. But wow. French have to make it difficult. But what's uh something else is gonna be a little tricky is we're trying something brand new this week. Um, we wanted to we've been you know, we did the the book to movie, we've been kind of looking at um, movies straight ahead with each other we wanted to try and work in a new concept so you are guinea pigs for us as we do this so this episode we're going to be doing a new feature that we're calling state your case and this is how the rules of the game work each one of us has picked a television show that we desperately love and the other person can be peripherally familiar with it, but they're not an active fan. So we wouldn't both pick a show like we wouldn't pick The Simpsons.
1: Or Lost. Like, or <laughs> 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 I knew you would have that reaction. <sighs> or Family Guy. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't know. What what shows do we love to watch? Well, I watch a lot of... Simpsons and Philly. Yeah, (laughs) Futurama. We wouldn't pick Futurama.
0: Something like that. Something that we both know and love. Friends of the Forest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Raccoons. Yeah. So, how the rules of the game work. Each of us has picked a show, and we've shown the other one, the pilot episode, which is generally tricky.
1: Well, pilots usually are pretty weak. Yeah. And then once you get the viewing audience, that's when you really put your effort into it. Although I will argue that mine is not. Well, it's pilots.
0: We'll talk about the issues of pilots and how TV's changed. But we have to show the other person the pilot of the show, and then we can handpick one other episode from any point in the series that we feel exemplifies everything that is wonderful about the show. And you could cold show somebody that episode and go, this is why you need to watch this and be like, holy shit. So like, as an example uh, that we're not touching today, Like, if you wanted to get someone into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, for Buffy fans out there, you know, you show them Hush, the episode where no one talks, or the episode where Buffy's mom dies, and there's no fantasy elements, it's just hard, heavy-hitting shit. Those are the ones we like, here you go. This is the best of the show. So that's what we have done today. We've each picked a show, And we have made our case with each other, and we'll see if, by doing this, we want to find out, can you, by watching these two things kind of in isolation, would you want to watch the rest of the
1: show? And maybe can you understand why the other person loves it so much? Yes. Instead of just going poo-pooing it.
0: Yes, exactly. So, this week... Episode fuck! I'm gonna have to get a fucking swear jar for this. Yeah, you are like a week <laughs> jar. Like by the end of next year, we'll just fucking go on holidays with it. I'm like Bob, there's four thousand dollars in there. Well, the stops swearing. How did you get four thousand dollars for the toonies? <laughs> <laughs> fuck. So this episode we are going to be looking at Jackie Select Jack Selection, which is Jane the Virgin. I'm gesturing uh, to an invisible whiteboard right now. Nobody can see what you're doing. (laughs) And the whiteboard's
1: not even over there. I'm
0: gesturing at my horrific picture of Jesus that I have up on the wall. Maybe we'll post a photo of it for you guys because it's fucked up. And my selection, which is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So, (laughs) don't let me, right?
1: (laughs) Very different choices.
0: Could not be any more different. They are the uh, epitome of different, or epitome, as some people might say. So, we're going to start with Jack's Choice with Jane the Virgin. So, Jack, elevator pitch. What is Jane the Virgin about?
1: Jane the Virgin is about a girl coming into womanhood who is thrust into a series of events that are very unfortunate uh, and that don't revolve around the plan that she has made for herself. And she then has to navigate through them.
0: So that is the thematic philosophical basis of the show. The nuts and bolts explanation of the show is a young virgin is accidentally artificially inseminated. <laughs> That's what the show is about. Hence the virgin part of the, of the title. So you have a history with the show. I do. How did you come to it?
1: So this was something that I had watched kind of unfold um, in the media. So I used to be... And when I mean used to be, I mean used to be a huge um, fan of Hollywood gossip. Oh, God. Loved it. People magazine, all of it. I grew up reading those horrible National Enquirer magazines of grandmas that were always (laughs) at the trailer. The
0: Enquirer, the Globe.
1: But I knew that those were garbage. What I did love was Hollywood and following the lives of celebrities, knowing what their babies' names were. And I still do to some point. Uh, But I think it was when Britney Spears lost it. That I finally realized that, wow, there is a huge problem with the way that media portrays Hollywood stars.
0: The culture is very toxic. It's
1: awful. So I stopped um, going on the website, stopped buying the magazines, but still continued to follow the lives of... Some well, you, m- you move and over to social.
0: You move over to social media with right? yeah. it, so there, where I can pick
1: and choose, and they're in control for the most part. Yes. So I had followed this show, Jane the Virgin, and I had watched Gina Rodriguez, who stars as Jane, uh, win the Golden Globe, and I was always kind of thinking, like, "Whoa, this is new. Um, we're watching uh, Latina actress win, which is something that is was new for the time. So this aired in 2014. We didn't start watching it until the year I was pregnant for Sawyer. So 2016, 2015, going into 2016. And Marty and I watched it. It was on Netflix. It was a new ad and we decided to check it out. And from the second it started, we fell in love with it, both of us, uh, for different reasons. So what it is, is it's a spoof uh, satire on a telenovela.
0: Yes. Is it? Ever. yeah,
1: and they know it they break the fourth wall all the time. The narrator of the show tells you it's a telenovela, tells you it's ridiculous, and kind of takes you on this journey of how insane TV and sitcoms can actually be. yeah. um, but what drew me into this show was the way that I felt represented on screen. and I am the furthest thing from Latina. <laughs> There is nothing about me except maybe my sassy attitude um, and my mouth that never shuts up. Um, But I felt represented by Jane because the show opens with her in teacher's college. She wants to be a writer, but is afraid to. um, She's really close with her mother as well as her abuela, grandmother. Um, Abuela. Abuela, sorry. See, so far. So far from From anything. Um, that is Latina. Anyway, um, I felt represented. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's curvy. She's not your typical star of a TV show.
0: Yeah, she's not like oh, we went to central casting and we found someone yeah. that was stunningly gorgeous. Now, Gina Rodriguez, she is she's, she's stunning.
1: stunning. But in this like girl next door, the only other person I ever felt that close to was Joey Potter on Dawson's Creek, and she still was so far from what I was. Yeah. But that like girl <laughs> next door, yes. kind of pretty, who's got she's wholesome.
0: Well, you could meet her. Yeah. Like, she looks like she'd help you move a couch. Yeah. Like she's she creative. Yeah.
1: And for once, there was a female on TV that, to me, was realistic. Mm-hmm. So I w- was immediately drawn to that. She loves writing. She loves reading. She's dorky. She's got a plan. She sticks to it. She loves grilled cheese sandwiches, and you know what our penchant and our background is for grilled cheese sandwiches. Yep. Yeah,
0: it's a cultural touchstone for us.
1: Yeah. Um. So I felt... Represented. I felt also that with my history, having a child really early, um, and when I'm saying early, I was still 23. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not talking 16. Yeah, no, there's anything wrong with that. But I felt that there was somebody that I thought, okay, wow, she's trying to navigate through this young. She's putting herself through school. She doesn't. She doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add on the layer of the satire of it being a telenovela and it being insane and all these characters and ridiculous situations they find themselves in and the okay. romanticism of being in Miami, which is so far removed from Peterborough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to take my socks off because I'm getting hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. Just make yourself at home, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. This, just,
1: I got my just, wine. <laughs> just settle
0: right in. Okay, so I had watched a couple of episodes with you guys, uh, but they would usually revolve around, you know, it's, it's twelve thirty. The kids are in bed. We're all just kind of we hanging just put out. A show on in the background. Yeah, we finished watching a movie. It's like okay, let's wind down. And they're like, "Blood, Jane the Virgin," <laughs> and the 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 chair where I would be sitting would be in a shitty spot. So I've got my neck craned up, and I have no idea what's going on. And we're all I'm a little half snapped. So I'm like, "This is the last fucking thing I want to be watching right now." <laughs> so while recognizing that the performances are good and everything, I just couldn't have Caired really less. couldn't have cared about it. Yeah. So. I'm coming into this relatively cold. I know a couple of plot points. I know Jane bakes muffins for Raphael later because she fucks up when he shows the house. And that's it. Like, I'll that's all I no, remember. Yeah. yeah. And then somebody was dead and then not dead, whatever. So, coming into the pilot, you you learn a few things really quickly. It is... The telenovela elements, they don't hide. You have to... If you... That's their buy you know it's like with with a star trek series if you don't buy science fiction you're not going to get yeah. into the show yeah. with this or like gilmore girls the fast talking snappy dialogue if that's their buy you they have to get you to buy that
1: mm-hmm.
0: with this it's the it's the telenovela elements and if you don't buy it you're just gonna, you're wasting your time trying to And channel. when
1: we say telenovela it, it's um the latina version of uh, soap opera. Well, it's
0: Mexican soap opera. Yeah,
1: and that's what yeah. it is. And it's it's ridiculous. And they actually do a telenovela. There's a Jane's dad is starring in it the entire show. Yeah. And it it's just models this ridiculousness or this over the top. It's not even ridiculous. It's over the top soap opera that the narrator is consistently telling you this is insane, this is like a soap opera, and being sarcastic, and...
0: Because telenovelas in in Mexico, and I'm assuming elsewhere in Latin America, are incredibly popular, just like soap operas here, but they're way more exaggerated. I don't know if anyone remembers, the uh, any of our listeners remember the short-lived... soap from the 90s called Passions <laughs> yeah. with like the magical dwarf that showed up. I think it was their attempt to well, kind of and do a telenovela style. But is
1: in the show Passions of Santos. Yeah. Like that's what they're parroting to, right? Yeah. So, so,
0: and they, they lean into <laughs> that spilly already. from minute one. You know, you, you have a narrator breaking the fourth wall talking to you, but what's kind of fun is you at least in the pilot you have these hyper-dramatic things happening. You know, people are cheating on each other and they're trying to get babies. But you have Jane at the center of this who, at least for the time being, all this stuff is happening around her. She is kind of this calm in the middle of the storm. So I think if she had have been as... All over the top and off the wall and sucked into the conspiracies as everyone else was. I think the pilot would have been a mess.
1: Oh, it would have been. Because you need her to be that, um, like, compass north. Yeah. You're rooting for her through the entire thing. And some of the seasons get carried away, as most shows do. Yeah. And you go, ooh, that season, mm-mm, didn't like that.
0: Well, that's, watching the pilot, that's what what I enjoyed was her. Because she's a fucking powerhouse. Because yeah, she, she can is. be funny and cute and bubbly, and then on a dime, shut it right off and like Michael Landon style crying.
1: Yeah. Like there's a scene she's where incredible. she's sitting
0: with her mother and her abuela. I'm not. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. But if I recall correctly, my my ex girlfriend's family is South American, so I heard them say abuela and abuelito and all that stuff. So uh, I hope I'm getting it right. But she just is sitting there with them and just. In a moment, completely unravels. And that is so difficult to do, to just shut it down and make it look real. You're not just crying for the shot. No, she's really crying. Yeah. And yeah. she
1: does she continues that throughout the show.
0: And that's what was was nice to see that she is, despite this hyper real world she's living in, there she is a very real person in an outrageous situation. And that's some of the best drama. You have, you know, you take a normal person and drop them in an outrageous situation and then have them solve the problem of the world, of that world that mm-hmm. they're in. So that was fun. And to see the, the telenovela esque aspects where one decision has this incredible domino effect and it keeps, and throughout the pilot, it starts picking up characters. So it's not like, okay, so for the pilot we're going to play it really calm and we're only we're going to show you a little bit of what we're getting. Like a lot of pilots do. You they tend to play it relatively safe. They're mm-hmm. going to focus on one person and just calmly follow them as we they interact a little bit with everybody so you get a flavor of the characters and then, oh, okay, I'd like to see the next episode to get a little more.
1: This is a whirling dervish. Well, that's the
0: <laughs> thing is it's it also it speaks to how television has changed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because that outline of a pilot I just described, that's very traditional pilot structure, and that's how shows were made forever. But with streaming and the fact that this is so heavily serialized, it's not episodic television. No. You can't tune in and out. You can, but you're lost,
1: well, and aside from the narrator telling you at the beginning of each episode what happened, yeah, there's so many characters. This isn't like Friends where you can jump in and out and yeah. you say, oh, the pilot sucked, but let's we have to just push on. Yeah, It's either now it hooks you. Plus, this debuted on the CW, and CW is known for doing those things that are geared towards the younger age group where you need to get their attention yeah. right away or they're not watching. So this kind of frenzy of a pilot I can see why I was drawn in because it wasn't that one where you're like okay just wait like when we watch Deep Space Nine just wait just okay I know
0: there's a lot of that
1: I know but it's gonna get better where this one I feel I don't know what what was your well it's it
0: was an incredibly strong pilot but it's the television world has changed because the marketplace is so crowded now If you don't start with a pilot that is an absolute showstopper, everyone's done. Yeah. You know, when throughout the entire history of television, most people are used to the idea that, well, the pilot was a little rough, but it was interesting. That's what people would say. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. You know, Star Trek The Next Generation was a phenomenon on a cultural level that hasn't happened go back and watch encounter at Farpoint. that is a fucking unwatchable television it is so bad and the whole first season is i tried terrible. so
1: when we first got i don't know if it was a show me and there was star trek was on it the one with captain picard yeah and i was home alone one night i don't know marty might have been playing a show or something and i was like you know what i'm gonna go and check this out just to see like why it is that my parents love the show so much and it was so bad you
0: started the pilot
1: yeah oh god and even we did it with friends, yeah, and Logan now is obsessed with friends, but he was watching the first one, like, oh God, because the budget's even smaller. The filters yeah. on the camera are different. Well, it's the because, characters aren't set well,
0: you're when it comes to pilots, you're spending generally spending less less money because a network back in the day would greenlight like eighty pilots, mm-hmm. and then they'd make a full episode of each show, and then they would look at them and go, okay, out of these 80, we're going to make 20. Right. And then out of that 20 that go to air, half of those are going to get canceled during their first season. Mm -hmm. And then out of that half that go into a second season, maybe two or three of those will go all the way to the end of their run. But now when a network, you're getting shows that are greenlit for a full season order. You know, their shows... You know, the Wheel of Time show isn't coming on till next year. It's still shooting its first season, and it's already been picked up for a full yeah. second season. That was unheard of in the day. So it's nice because, you know, your writers are working harder. You're really sitting down and laying out a story. But I think the downside to having something so tightly planned is you don't get the happy accidents that can grow from a show because networks used to nurture a show. You'd give it a couple of seasons to get its feet under it. And after two seasons, you know, 50 episodes, if it's not getting up on its feet, okay, we tried. We had a good time. Move on. Now, if the pilot for Jane the Virgin was bad, that show would have been, been done. Canceled.
1: And it yeah. wasn't. It was good, and at least in, in my opinion. And it, it drew you in so much that the, the second episode I chose to show... Bob, I really wondered about what I should do because there was, I think because it's so complex um, and they kind of run together, it's not episodic, Yeah, there was no way that I could figure out which one really encapsulated it. So I showed him the second one to say like, okay, this is, you're now addicted
0: Yes, and that was the right way to go. Because I think if you, you know, whereas with DS9, I can kind of, in ten or in a couple of minutes, explain to you what's going on. You've met all the characters in the pile and go, okay, I can get a feel for where I am. There's a ton that you've missed, but you can still get a feel. We had jumped into the fourth season on an episode. No matter how good it is, I'd be like, what about that? Yeah, it wouldn't have worked. You would have been cliff-noting me the whole time. And
1: I think... So some of the themes I want to talk about in this, because this is what, put the fanfare aside. Yeah. The things that I really love about it were the themes of, and correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you got something different out of it, was uh, female empowerment. Mm. So the show starts off with her grandmother um, saying that her virginity is everything. Mm-hmm. If she saw it there's a crumpled flower and there's <laughs> it's so much it's such horrible an
0: excellent image though. sexist
1: imagery through yeah. it and then I we were watching it going this is awful but then she starts to break out of those gender norms mm-hmm. and then you're like oh yeah empowered female and her mom Ziomara or Zoe. oh my god um,
0: is just a fucking dumpster fire <laughs> on legs and it's fun because opposite. I know those women yeah. I went to school with them and I knew, you could see I knew they had, I went to school with girls that had mothers like her.
1: Sexually liberated, wore booty shorts to her, uh, Kinsiera, like just everything you don't want your mother to be when you are straight laced. Yes. And it's this really amazing juxtaposition of how people, women especially can be so different, but can still love each other, which we don't see a lot in TV. It's if you're different, you're fighting with this one. If she's sexy and you're playing Jane, you don't get along. But mm-hmm. they don't do this in this show. And the female relationships, for once, are realistic. Even when they do go through periods of hating each other, like Petra, um, who is happens to be the wife at the time of the man whose baby she's impregnated with, she's a horrific woman, but they end up being best friends by the end of the show because they have to raise kids together. Mm-hmm. Because Petra inseminates herself with her ex husband's sperm. She's
0: trying to inseminate No, yourself. she does
1: later. Oh, she uses a turkey okay. baster and becomes pregnant with twins, and Spoilers. now they've got to raise kids together.
0: But that is nuts for wreck from the cancer.
1: Um, there was a second, so there ends up being a fire in the um, bank, the sperm bank. Um, but miraculously, she ends up stealing before that. The second sample. The we second didn't sample know about. we didn't know about. That's why it's a telenovela. Okay. Because you're sitting at the the TV screaming at it like no! Oh my God, did that happen? No, no, don't do that! And it's an interactive kind of experience.
0: Well, right? yes, it's it's definitely a, a shout at the TV kind of a show. But to to speak to your your issue, talking about the female empowerment, yeah. and it's it's nice because that's what I you identify so strongly with her in this, you know. Peanut gallery of madness around her, <laughs> but you're getting different sides of who she could be. She's yeah. reflected in these two women, in her mother and her grandmother. And everyone is like reacting semi normally based on their character. Yeah, you know, no one's like when each her, other out. her fiance is like, This is fucked up. I don't want this kid. Like, I we've been together for all these years, we're doing everything your way. Please, you can't work at the hotel with this guy that you're having his baby with. All of this is fucked up. You know, and, but she deals with these issues through strength of character, mm-hmm. not strength in conflict. You know, there's a very much of a, I don't know whether there's any potential, she very much reminds me of Anne Shirley. Yes. Because it's her... It's her dignity and her grace in situations, but the fact that she's still a mess. Tenacity. Yes. It's the strength of character, not her ability to out-argue people or trick them or sneak her way into it. No, and she's
1: just good and wholesome. Yeah. That you can still have all of these things and you can still remain true and you don't have to use sex to get what you want. Mm -hmm. On either
0: side. Well, you don't have to use sex. You don't have to use... Uh, arguments. You don't have to use as shitty characteristics. Because she could have easily, like if her character was a bulldozer, it would be like okay, the first episode wraps everything up.
1: Well, if it was Petra.
0: Yeah, it's just Petra the virgin. Yeah, <laughs> any of those other characters. You know, you either just you go and get an abortion. You go and put it up for
1: adoption. Put it up for
0: adoption, all these things. But it's because she's so real in this sea of unreality around her. You get to see her character strengths and weaknesses deal with the decision-making process, which is always refreshing. And whatever the character is, yeah. But to see a a female character like that, and they go about it very casually. Mm -hmm. It's not they're not wielding political hammers. Now the show's a little older. So I think if this show was made now,
1: okay, so it I, might be a little more aggressive. I will, um, there is a huge uh, plot line that happens uh, with her grandmother because her grandmother is undocumented. And when it, we came later in the show, so this show ran for five, six seasons, I think. So when we Trump was elected is when it... Switched and I, the other show we were watching at the time, The Fosters, did the same thing with undocumented migrants, and then mm-hmm. there was a huge political undertone because it was about fighting for her to stay in the states. Um, so but in the beginning, it was pre Trump, so we didn't have the need for those political storylines,
0: yeah. Everything was kind of okay from a political sense, yes, but it's that's. That's what's. I don't want to say it's nice because it's important that so much of media has become very much. No, guys, we're this line in the sand. Time. So like when people say to me, "Where's the center anymore?" I'm like, "Well, guys, unfortunately, this the cultural war happening." Yeah. And when that has happened throughout history, the center shrinks because you you do have to decide what side yeah. of history you're standing on. Like that's where we we're we're past just sitting around now. So, I like that. I like that aspect that she, you have a show that is incredibly socially relevant and socially aware, but it's not coming in swinging fists. No, and they're
1: not throwing the fact that this is an unrepresented population in Hollywood. Uh, This is um, that Latino population that does not get represented. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they do it so gracefully that someone who doesn't even. Um relate to that culture is relates to the character mm. so it wouldn't matter what culture she 's from. her character is so strong that as a viewer you're like oh my gosh i'm like her and it doesn't matter
0: and it's and it's true you like, the, obviously, the, the the cultural touchstones are very prevalent for them, but mm-hmm. because the characters are so open and interesting, it sucks you in. It's that whole fucking argument that's usually made by white people where it's like, well, why is it so important to see yourself? There's a strong character. It's so fucking important to see yourself. But you Absolutely. can see yourself in anyone. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm watching a show about a young Latina woman in Miami, and I, like Jack said, we are not those people at all. Like, we burn. We just burn. In the sun, Yeah, can't eat the spices, like nothing, it's terrible. But because she's such a real character and because they're just people... You know, we know the old school grandmother. We know the dumpster fire mother. You know, we know all who of who is them. not our mother. No, not in any we don't way know her in form. that way.
1: Our mother is no. the complete opposite of that.
0: But we we know those mothers. Yes. Yes.
1: And yeah, it, it's important for re- honest representation in Hollywood. But it's also important to have real characters that people can relate to, no matter what and at the same time,
0: it has because it's not. A, a heavy political hammer show, you know, like something like um Testament's TV show with the Handmaid's,
1: Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's
0: Tale. That is a weaponized show and for very good reason. That's it's it's modus operandi. That yeah. show is is a weapon. Where this is accomplishing, I don't want to say similar goals, but you know, in the same game, but it still is Can has a a lot of fun. It is a comedy at the end of the day or a dramedy. But it has
1: a lot of important messages that if you're not paying attention to, you're not going to get, but at the same time are just as important as the fun telenovela.
0: Yeah. And that's the nice thing is you're getting, you know, the spoonful of sugar Mm -hmm. along with it. And the telenovela elements are are delightful, <laughs> especially going into the second episode <laughs> where she finds out her father is this famous telenovela star, which raises all kinds of hideous questions because she's in love with him as a TV star. Yeah,
1: and we never really... Cool. No, I think she does touch on that in one episode, like, how could you let me watch this? And her mom figures it out once The Passions of Santos brings Rogelio's character on, and um, There's a whole segment of Zoe realizing, like, oh, my God, and then not knowing how to handle this. But then she lets Jane go on and moon over him.
0: It's disgusting. Like, that part (laughs) is—it's
1: so disgusting. But it's so—isn't that not realistic? Is that not realistic?
0: Well, it's realistic in the sense of this world.
1: Like, that stuff happens. (laughs)
0: Like, it would be like if somebody came to me and was like, hey— Mom's not actually your mom. Renee Russo's your mom. Be like, that would be so fucking devastating because I've had <laughs> such a monster crush on Rene Russo. That would be horrific for me to find out because I couldn't, I couldn't well, go. Well, Jane um,
1: handles it with a lot more grace.
0: She's a very graceful character compared to I. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> so would you say at the end of the day, you A, you enjoyed it. B, you understand why I love it. And see, would you watch another episode? I,
0: I did enjoy it. Okay. I enjoyed, you know, I bought. You know, that's the thing, is I, I bought what they were doing because through the pilot and the second episode, they stayed very true. It didn't falter. You can tell they know exactly where they're going. I get exactly why you like it. From a thematic level, it's... It's a lot more, for something that you love this fiercely, it's a lot, there's elements of trashiness and madcap that I wouldn't immediately assign to you. Like, I wouldn't think, what is something your sister likes? Oh, trashy fucking madcap craziness. You do
1: know that you're talking to the same person who bows down at the feet of Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale, and then... Really loves Tyra Banks America's Next Top Model. Because
0: well, that's the thing is you're. <laughs> I guess we all are, and it's in our own way. Like you said, I, there's I no such death, thing as a guilty pleasure. pleasure. No, there's no such thing. It's. I guess it does make sense if I think you know for more than three seconds on it. You you do watch so much fucking trash. Do you
1: know how much pulpy apocalyptic horror I read? Yeah. But I also have read Charles Dickens Inside It Out, Shakespeare Inside It Out. Yeah, you gotta be well rounded. No,
0: <laughs> you're not wrong there. No, so, I, I get it, and yes, I would I would watch another episode. Yes,
1: yay!
0: I I don't I couldn't sit down and marathon it mm-hmm. because it.
1: It's not it, a marathon-y show. We did two max because it's so like.
0: Brrr. There's so much going on, and and despite all of its successes, it is a little sugary. Like, yeah. it is a little too sugary for me. Okay, fair um,
1: enough.
0: So I couldn't have it in large doses. It might rot your teeth a little bit.
1: Yeah, we and again, we only did it in...
0: Yeah, you come in, watch a couple, and then the next night, watch a couple. Yep. It's not a binge watcher. At, no. Least, at least. no, for no, no, no.
1: And we had the ability to. I do have to point out maybe another thing um, before we move on to Deep Space Nine uh, that really makes it nostalgic for me, aside from Jane, is... Um, when she found when I started watching it, I we just found out we were pregnant with Sawyer, so I was also going on this journey with her mm-hmm. through that season, and I remember the scene, um, Jane and um, the guy she's impregnated by.
0: Oh, Raphael!
1: Raphael are sitting under a tree talking, and I felt Sawyer move for the first time. He kicked me, and it was around the same time that Jane and her pregnancy also fell the baby move okay so and I remember sitting up and saying like oh my god I just fell him because it feels like a flutter I just he kicked me and then from then on it's always had this there's been a there's a little soft spot in my heart for the show yeah <laughs> for many reasons
0: <laughs> well I'd say well that's a that's a pretty monster connection to get to have for something like that yeah. you know and that's what TV or film can be so great or music is you get those muscle memories that are so tied intrinsically to it. So, no. Yes, I I enjoyed it. I get why you Yay! like it and I would watch I would Monster watch another win!
1: episode. So.
0: <laughs> okay. Now for the big black oh, cloud. Let me get my notes. That's brooding over here.
1: All I wrote down for Jane was a song that plays while she's on the bus in the first episode that I really wanted to remember because I liked it. Uh, that was it.
0: <laughs> Jack is a militant note taker when it comes to our show.
1: I did some um, doodles, so you know I was bored for yeah. Deep Space Nine. <laughs> at
0: least for the pilot.
1: For the pilot. For the the next one. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's just this.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Star Trek really doesn't need too much of an introduction for people, at least I don't
1: think. No, but you need to introduce uh, what your take is on yes. it. Yes. So, Bob, tell us, our massive listening audience, what <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine means to you.
0: So, you can't... Talk about Deep Space Nine without talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. We, it premiered, I think, in 87 or 88.
1: Uh, I, one with Picard? Picard. Okay.
0: And I was, I was little. I was three or four years old. And from minute one, mom and dad were Trekkies from, from way back, from the original show, which I do not like.
1: I was a reluctant Trekkie.
0: So we watched it. It was just always on. And in the 90s, especially in the early 90s, it's almost, it's difficult to explain to people nowadays just how big Star Trek was. It wasn't a goof. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't, like, you could look at the fans, like, because we can be pretty silly, especially hardcore Trekkies. But Hardcore
1: it, fans in any genre.
0: In any genre are silly. You know, whether it's the guys that are face painted screaming in a football stadium or whether it's, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Fat Fuck that brought his own chair to sit in the line to wait for William Shatner's autograph, which I have seen guy's a fucking king among men. <laughs> he <laughs> brought his own stool and it was under pressure. Wow. <laughs> but it was huge. It was everywhere. The the toys, the show, the, the conventions, it was the biggest fucking thing in the world. And I genuinely loved it. It wasn't just mom and dad kind of pushing it at me. I genuinely loved Star Trek. Ugh. And continued to love it. And when but season five, or Th- four I think uh, 1993 whatever of next gen is when they announced they were going to do another one going to do a spin-off, Star Trek Deep Space Nine and it was contentious from almost minute one and it's continued to be oddly contentious with fans because whereas Star Trek The Next Generation is episodic television other than the occasional two-parter uh, which I can remember too. So, for
1: those of you who are listening that don't know what episodic television is, that is the television that I really dislike. Where there is something that happens, something that needs to be solved, and then it's wrapped up at the end of the show.
0: Yes, episodic television is friends. It is. A, it's a, it's sitcoms. It's where you sitcoms, can. Sitcoms, but then when you in when and you out.
1: go over to dramas, it was like why I didn't like. I zombie when we watched it, or CSI, or any yes. of those shows where it's like, oh, we got to find the killer, and they do it.
0: Yes, it's a self-contained story throughout the episode, mm-hmm. and then over the course of a season, you might have a storyline that might be kind of happening in the background, yeah, and you it doesn't impact your ability to enjoy the show, but it, it's built for the syndicated market because TV shows, used next Star Trek specifically, a network made it, but they didn't own a channel, so they sold it to different channels. So it could be playing anywhere in the world at different times out of order. Okay. That's how we used to watch TV.
1: Yeah, all the time. Yeah,
0: unless you tuned in for, you know, oh, it's Thursday night. I
1: watched Dawson's Creek religiously as it went, but Friends, you didn't know, or Simpsons, you didn't know which episode you were getting.
0: Yeah. So whereas Next Generation, the rules were very heavily put in place by Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. The characters are not allowed to end an episode in disagreement with each other. And the issue that they're dealing with in that show is resolved by the end of the episode.
1: So can I just question, you're not leaving it on a cliffhanger like Lost or yeah. Jane the Virgin. So what is the draw to come back next week and watch it?
0: You're you're going on this adventure with them. They're going out into like. Sp- he says to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before. You're you joining just, them. You
1: were waiting to say that. I was.
0: <laughs> uh, you're joining them on this. Loser. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and as it, despite the limitations, the the characters do, for the most part, in actually, no, in certain cases on Next Generation, you do get to see some richness to their characters, but because they can't staying in conflict, it's tough.
1: So he he imp- implemented this for specifically Deep Space. St- no, st- for season.
0: Next Generation. Okay. Star Trek Next Generation. That was his rule, which is why a lot of writers on the show started to get kind of pissed because they're like, we're just kind of writing
1: the same episodes over, over and, and over and, and, over, and, and over again. that's how you run into like CSI, CSI yeah. Miami, CSI whatever. Yeah. I don't like those shows.
0: And for all of its successes, and Next Generation has them, and you can't touch it, it is just a riff on the original Star Trek. You know, Monster of the Week, mm-hmm. technical problem of the Week, occasional heavy character development. That's it. Yeah. But with Deep Space Nine, they wanted to go harder on the Western aspect, the wagon train to the stars. Mm-hmm. We're no longer going to be on a spaceship. We're on a stationary set. You know, the station doesn't move, which means people can come Man. in and out of it. You can have reoccurring characters. But... They were also going for a much grimmer approach. It's not the brightly lit Picard solving his problems while sipping Earl Grey tea and just knocking bitches down with diplomacy. You know, this (laughs) is, you know, the Federation has been called in to help a planet that has basically had the Nazis there for 50 years. You mean the Kardashians? The Kardashians, yes. So, and you're coming off of... You know, the new captain hates Picard because he was at the uh, Battle of Vol 359 when wife. Picard was a Borg. So from minute one, you're like, oh, this is our launching pad. The single darkest moment in the history of Next Generation. So the show revolves around Captain Cisco coming to um, the former Cardassian mining facility. New space. Cardassian?
1: You said Cardassian.
0: I said Cardassian. They are called Cardassians.
1: Kardashian.
0: No. Those are the, the They're horrib- both horrible. Those are the actual somehow worse people. <laughs> the space <laughs> I Nazis just, okay. is bad. So
1: I kept getting thrown off because yeah. every time I heard Cardassian, I heard Kardashian. Yes. Because it's one tiny like a lot of spl- people flip of the a tongue. Joke. Yeah. And it's yeah. it was laughable.
0: So the premise of the show is the Cardassians have occupied the planet of Bajor for the last 50 years, strip mining it, committing genocide, all the best parts of World War II. And after years of uh, terrorist cells and everything on Bajor, they've pushed the Cardassians off the planet, and they've left. So Bajor has reached out to the United Federation of Planets, to our boys, and asked them to come in to help facilitate the handover and provide civilian aid and assistance. Right. So that's where we find, that's where the show starts. So over the course of the first episode, you have Cisco coming to our first black captain, which was huge in the 90s. People yeah. were pissed. They couldn't even make him a captain at the start. Sorry, people were pissed
1: because he was black? Of course.
0: Of course. People were pissed that Janeway was a woman when on Voyager.
1: Are you serious? Of course. But they're dealing with aliens that are green yeah. and people with giant ears, and that was fine. But yeah.
0: wow! Okay. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. So Cisco is coming to this. We're outside of the Federation now. We're not in the space that we're familiar with. We're in the out in the wilderness, as they say.
1: The Milky Way.
0: Yeah, and he, well, it's all the Milky Way galaxy. We're still in our galaxy.
1: Except when they go for that. That's actually just wormhole. the other
0: side of the galaxy. Uh, in the course of Star Trek, they don't actually leave the galaxy. It's too big.
1: There's so much dorking going on right now,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's the Cisco is the the lone gunfighter. he's the new sheriff coming into town. He's been sent you know the and town is for a really good job, and he's come into town and we're meeting everybody. you know we're meeting the overexcited doctor We're meeting the possibly criminal bartender we're meeting the curmudgeony sheriff who's just fucking mad at everyone we're meeting the you know the local who has been fighting the bad guys for all these years and she has to decide do i want to fight the guy that's supposedly here to help
1: is that him? the one that's with ki- the horrible Akira?
0: major kira love major kira so this is the situation we find ourselves in the pilot where everything is grim and broken and nothing works.
1: No, nothing, and it's kind of it's unsettling. Even the camera work is unsettling. It's horribly shaky because instead of shaking the set, which they probably didn't have budget for, they oh my shook God, the no. camera. Yeah,
0: don't stop moving until they stop shaking. Don't oh get up until they stop shaking the God. camera.
1: And let me please preface this. And my mind was changed, so this isn't going to be all hate on yeah. Deep Space Nine. It was the longest, Once frigging. An hour, Twenty minutes pilot. It's like the length of a Disney movie. Yeah. It just went on and I could think of like four natural stops where we could have stopped and <laughs> moved on. Oh no. Oh no, we get into like existential existential time.
0: Yeah. Well, cuz that's those are the big things. Deep Space 9 has a lot more buy-ins than Star Trek Next Generation or Voyager did. You know, that was just, here's our crew, we're going to jaunt away for however many seasons, and you'll get to know everybody, and we'll have some fun adventures, and at the end of episode, you're safe. This time, within the first ten minutes, we realized that, oh... We were so happy that Picard got rescued from being a but he fucking murdered, fucking murdered so many people, <laughs> and we forget that there's families on those starships, and he fucking killed them just because he wasn't in control.
1: He still it. Well, it wasn't his it. fault. He was possessed. But did you blame did Reagan for being possessed because but she he, killed Reverend? But he still did the it. The priest?
0: It's one of the great moments in Captain America Civil War where it's like Cap says to Bucky's like, you know, that wasn't you. They put that shit in your head, and he's like, yeah but i still did
1: it oh but it's not your but fault. it's but
0: there's still a guilt there right and that's what's wonderful about this we're dealing with that we're dealing with the introduction of organized religion into star trek for the first time because
1: the bajorans are such a spiritual see and people. i just have no cons, no context for that because yeah. i never paid attention to what was going on cuz i couldn't be bothered I, it was so far from what i wanted to watch yeah. i just this was we are from the generation where whatever your dad put on tv Even your mom didn't say anything about it. Yeah. And that's not how we fly here.
0: That's what we were watching. You know, it's like, oh, start, like, I was lucky because I liked it. And mom liked it. Yeah. So, oh, we're watching Star Trek now. You know, we made a family decision in quotes to TGIF every Friday. But if you or I had have said we don't want to watch T.J.M., Dad would have been like, think fucking go outside."
1: Yeah, and that's like every household. Yeah. growing up at that time, if your family was a, your dad was into sports, we would have been a sports family. Yeah, but we weren't, so we be, we watched what our parents watched.
0: So, here's the trick with the pilot. I'm biased. Because I love the show. Mm. I've watched this show front to back probably four or five times. I absolutely love the show. And it got better at a rate that's almost insane for various reasons. It
1: did get better, yeah.
0: But I know the pilot's fucking rough. It's, it's rough. It's, like, it, it's boring. Tough. It's a tough... I'm into it because I know what's going to happen. So I can look and go, oh, remember when? Oh, remember when? Well, you
1: when? can, but I'm not... Okay, so I'm not saying that I'm, Jane I'm the Virgin amazed you stayed awake. is better. I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not saying Jane the Virgin is better yeah. um, because that's not fair. But what I'm saying is the things that draw me in yeah. are that brrr, woo, and woo, <laughs> and I'm not... <laughs> brrr, simple in any way but it's like okay let's go and do something instead let's work through this guy's friggin' mental anguish before we even get invested in the show i gotta watch him whine about his dead wife which is it's horrendous to think that but i had no attachment to the character and that's you know that's a constant complaint of mine yeah when i watch something i'm like i don't care if i don't buy into a character and i don't have a reason to like him or care what happens, I'm done. And I was checked out hard. Well,
0: I, I get it too because you're, you're going from, it's almost two episodes in one because you have this very gritty new take on Star Trek where we're seeing some familiar characters in this brand new setting and people are getting arrested and it's violent and we realize this horrible genocide has happened. But then we find the wormhole oh, God. which is the anchor <laughs> for the series and they go in and we get into this for the time very subversive discussion about... Time. ...time, and it's it's existential, and it's weird, and this is primetime television. This is the biggest media franchise on the planet at the time. Is going to take 20 minutes almost and have a very interesting, in-depth discussion about time. And I get time. it.
1: I thought it was really interesting, and I made notes about this like idea of linear time and explaining it to people is cool, but... Really?
0: Yeah, that's and
1: and I might also point out, and they fix this by the time we watch the next episode. The acting is horrendous. It's right. It's like these people were trained as stage actors, and that's what it seemed like to me. They were trained in Shakespearean drama, and the delivery of the lines was horrific because it's TV. Yeah. And when you're trained on as a stage actor, it's all about big, flourishing, line delivery. Whereas on TV, you're or in film, it's supposed to be subtle and pull back, and it's those little nuances.
0: Well, that's the difference, though. Because, because TV has changed so much, there used to be a very clear divide. There was television, and there was the movies. And the movies, like you said, you had subtle, nuanced, and you had these moments, and very introspective. But television was still, for the most part, it was more theatrical. Even the yeah, serious stuff. I guess. It was very arch, and lots of, you know posing before the camera cuts for the commercial. Like but that's
1: what they're making fun of in Jane the Virgin.
0: Because it was 2014 when they made Jane the Virgin. This was made in 1993. And I just can't do So you, you have to kind of put your mind back into that state. But it's also, back then you'd start a show with kind of a loose idea of who your characters were. There's story bible and everything, and I've read it. And it's quite funny because a lot of it doesn't apply at all to who these characters became, but a great writing room on a show like this would spend the first couple of seasons, you start to work out character problems. You, like, okay, episode four, where who hasn't who hasn't talked to each other yet? Oh, we haven't done an episode with Miles and the Doctor. Let's put them together and see how they get along. Oh, shit, they hate each other. Interesting. Like, on perfect example, Family Guy. They did not plan for Brian and Stewie to be best friends. There was no discussion of that. They were enemies. What? But the more episodes they wrote they over the couple perfect. of the first seasons, they realized, fuck, these guys get along so well. And that's what happened on shows like this, is you start to smooth the characters out. You test things. You know, just like Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine didn't really start to work until the third season. And there's a few reasons for that. They had two seasons to kind of iron out some character kinks. Big time. So
1: who was the loyal fan base that decided to stick around? Because I'm out after the first couple episodes. Marty and I have watched entire seasons of things and went, meh, never again.
0: Star Trek fans. Science fiction fans. Television fans. This was an event. And they stuck with it. And because the show is, it was Star Trek, it was Next Generation's little brother. And it behaved like that, you know.
1: It was whiny.
0: Yeah, Q show. It was, it, they were trying to be episodic, you know, but still trying to be grimmer. But then doing these goofy episodes, silly episodes, the alien of the week episodes, and they were conflicting. And you could tell because they do a really serious, heavy episode. Oh, fuck, that's where we're going. And then the next week would be like, now the silly aliens are showing up with polka dots on their face and they've got a wacky surprise for the crew of Deep Space Nine. Oh, my God. (laughs) And that's what would happen. But then season three hits and Voyager started. So the producer is paying more attention to Voyager. So the writers all got together and were like, if we could do anything, what would we do? and they wrote out a document, and they actually got to do it all and slowly serialized the show, introduce the concept of war, with the war with the Dominion into the show, the idea of characters arguing and having problems and staying in conflict with each other. Well,
1: that's what makes for good TV. Yeah.
0: They also got a ship so they could go off places. So it mixed up the vibe of the show. It wasn't just you're stuck in the town. And like you're on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. And people come to you. Well,
1: and you could only do that for so long and that Lost did it, but then we got episodes where we got background of each yeah. character and then we were off the island, right? When they we're not even in touch, Lost. Yeah. Um <laughs> let's uh let's talk about the second episode you showed me because yes. I actually now I had drank half a bottle of wine at that point, so I was like feeling good. You feel pretty good with yourself. Feeling really good. The kids were in bed, so I, I got it by the second episode for yeah. several reasons. So tell us
0: so the, why you
1: chose this one. This
0: this was a no-brainer for me. Okay. I, I came in when we decided to do this idea. I knew the exact episode I was going to pick for you. And it is season six episode called In the Pale Moonlight.
1: Dance with the devil in the pale moonlight.
0: Yeah, It is. By this point, um, we've had... Season three, four, five, and into six, we've had three and a half incredible seasons of television with Deep Space Nine. The characters have locked in with each other. We we know who everyone is, and the writers are firing on all cylinders, and we are at war. You know, at the end of season five, they mine the wormhole to keep the Dominion out, and it's war, full scale war. War. So, and because the show is so always excelled at this gray morality. Where other Star Treks are black and white. There's right and wrong. And there's Picard in the middle sipping his tea, you know, fucking mushroom slapping everyone with his correctness. So That
1: sounds really inappropriate. This is Wiener. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, rude. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I hadn't
0: said anything crass in a while, so I thought it was time. Yeah. So... And we're so used to the captains being very. And the Starfleet officers, you have a moral code, the prime directive. You don't break it. Every, it's, everything is black and white. But what In the Pale Moonlight does so well is it strips the uniform and everything away, and you get to deal with the man, Benjamin Sisko. That's just everything is stripped away. He, they're on the Federation, and the Klingons are losing the war. Tens of thousands of people are dying every single day. Like, this is war on a scale that we don't... Like, this is tens of thousands of planets, hundreds of millions of people involved in this conflict.
1: What are they fighting over?
0: Um, The Dominion has invaded the the Alpha Quadrant, invaded our space. Why? What do they want? Us, our space. Just land? Yeah. The Dominion is the anti... Do they want
1: oil, resources? Everything.
0: Control. (sighs) Okay. The Dominion is run by a group called the Founders. They're the shape-shifting aliens, Odo, the yeah. angry his people, and they hate Solids, us. So, after being persecuted by them for tens of thousands of years, they formed the Dominion so that they can impose their order on the Solids. And by keeping everything within their grasp under their thumb, they we can't hurt them. That's what the motivation the Founders Everyone
1: is. just needs to sit down and talk to each other.
0: Totes. And which is actually, it's funny, that's how they settle it all too. Okay. Um, so that's where we are at this point. So, Picard couldn't exist on this show, because he's too moral. He wouldn't be able to make these decisions. So Cisco now has to deal with, what do I do? We're losing. We have to do something dramatic. So he's going to bring the Romulans into the war. But he can't do it nobly. So the entire episode becomes about him breaking every rule.
1: Julia needs to manipulate them.
0: Everything that he stood for. And by the end of it, you're okay with it. Because it was, he did the wrong thing for the right reason.
1: And this is where it got me. So I didn't love him talking to the camera. Oh,
0: I love that it's so hard-boiled.
1: Don't, it wasn't my thing. But what I realized halfway through is this is high fantasy this is Game of Thrones, or Game of Thrones is this. And it, that's all it is. It's like, put it in medieval mm. Europe, and it's just a game of chess. Yep. So that's when I finally got it, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. And it, it's all of those fantasy books that I've ever read and loved. Piers Anthony, who I love, does the same thing with, except he's got amazing puns involved, mm. um, but it's the same strategic game that people play around each other and then i finally and this was the first time since watching slogging through that first episode where i understood what they were trying to do and i understood why people liked it yeah because i also like high fantasy i do enjoy that sometimes i have in the past um and surprising how people can make fun of trekkies but then It's cool to like Game of Thrones.
0: Well, that's the thing, and that's what kind of pissed me off. Well, it's Big Bang Theory specifically. I can point to that changed the appreciation of genre
1: for people.
0: That was kind of the you know the surge of the whole nerd culture and nerds are cute. And I'm like, no, no, I have a problem with some of that. Love Big Bang Theory. I
1: did not like Big Bang Theory.
0: I love that show. I'm a big fan. Well, they're talking talking about shit
1: I like. How Penny was represented, and I
0: well, there's problems, but. But that's was when the change happened. Now it's cool. Now it's everywhere. Back then, there was still, because the cultural lines were still so clearly drawn, like you said, it was the era of dad chose the show, you know, there were jocks and nerds. Yeah. You know,
1: nerd! So where do you fit when you're in between? Like, someone like myself, who is kind of a nerd for school, but I also love to watch hockey, so... How am I fitting in? I don't fit in any of that. It's not. I'm not cool in either circle because if I say I like hockey, I'm ostracized. If I say I like fantasy, I'm ostracized. Yeah.
0: It, it's nice that it's changed, but that's what's. I think that's one of Deep Space Nine's strengths is the more discussion there's been about it, especially since it came to Netflix and people have been able to go back to yeah. it. Like ask mom and dad about it. They fucking hate it. Like they get mad at it. Because really? they remember how disappointed they were because it wasn't what they wanted it to be. That's why people hate most things, not on its merits. It's your pissed because it wasn't what you wanted, and that's the thing with Deep Space Nine is it wasn't what people wanted. So by the time we get into the later seasons and everything's amazing, the casual base is gone, and the hardcore is left to get to watch an episode like in the pale moonlight, where that show couldn't that episode couldn't have happened on any of the other series. And it laid the groundwork for the kind of serialized storytelling we were going to get, you know, four or five years down the road. But it's it's Deep Space Nine, and specifically an episode like this, that TV's like this all the time now. Long, complex, ongoing plots, intricate drama between characters, reoccurring characters allowed to come and go, high stakes, massive stakes. Yeah. It's every show on television now. And they can all pretty much thank Deep Space Nine because it was the one that out, went out there, took all the lumps for everybody, and now everybody does it. But not a lot of people look back and kind of give thanks for it. You know, they just made a huge documentary about it. Like the show is bigger than ever. Really? Yeah, they did a. Uh, they got the cast together and did kind of a, an audio recording of a hypothetical eighth season episode because they had it plotted out what would have happened after but right. they stopped the show. So, but let's specifically in the pale moonlight. So, because the show is, like you said, it's tropes. It's you have, you know, the king trying to move his characters around and yeah. bring in the. So, it's that's why it was so perfect.
1: I As did I like it. I did. I enjoyed it. Um, you had a strong y-
0: reaction to Garrick, the Kardashian, the Taylor. I did? Yeah. Oh, you was, were like, I hate him. I love him. Oh, I understand him. Oh, don't
1: trust him, Cisco. Yeah. Like, he was, mm, don't go in there, girl. He was, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was- Don't trust was, that man! He was conflicting. It's how I felt about the Goblin King in the labyrinth. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm attracted to you, but I'm scared of you, and my dad said stay away from people like you. Yeah. Um, no, I thought it was good and it really I got it when I watched it. So I think that was a good episode to show me. Yeah. Um, A, did I like it? Uh I liked half of it.
0: You do, you know what? I get it. If it hadn't, if we weren't doing this, and I got you to agree to watch Deep Space Nine, I would have just started at the first episode of season three. One hundred percent. Yeah, and I, would I wouldn't never, have asked a lot of questions. I knew I was behind the eight ball on this because the pilot. It's rough.
1: Yeah, it it's is rough. So I liked half of it. Yeah. B. I totally get why you like it. Obviously, I grew up with you. I understand why you like that nerdy stuff. And I hey, I've had my fair share of nerdy caveman yeah. stuff. So, I get it. But
0: seeing how complex it became.
1: Yeah, and it the there's a a lot of complex plot lines, character lines, um and I I understand. Um see what I watch another episode. Probably not from before season 3. <laughs> yes,
0: I wouldn't show it to you. Like, if if you decided that you show you season three, you guys fall in love with it, and as a family, watch the whole thing, i would be not. like, if that hypothetical happened.
1: But fucking like.
0: <laughs> Well, shit. I said all kinds of fucking nice stuff about Jane and. Wait, her, and now whoa, you're whoa, fucking whoa, mad whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa. That is not the tone of the show that I want. I'm not mad at you in any way.
0: I'm feeling like space now is not getting its love and respect.
1: Um, what I would like to watch though is comparing the three. So I really liked um, Red from Orange Is the New Black. Jadeway. Yes. I loved that. At least I did not mind it as much when I was growing up because I hated when it was on TV, but I liked it. So to like watch, um, not the old one with Shatner. No, no, I can't stand that show. Um, the Tribbles is
0: all I can remember because mom loved that episode. They do an episode on Deep Space Nine <laughs> where they go back in time into the Tribble episode. Yeah. And interact with on green screen with all the, the original It's quite fun.
1: Um and then well I've seen the Deep Space Nine, but then do the what's Voyager. Voyager. Just to like compare the tone of the three. Um I, I don't I would maybe like if it was on, I wouldn't say no.
0: <laughs> well when you were through a bottle of wine <laughs> You made comments like, this, I get it. I'd yeah. watch another one of these.
1: I did, I did get it. Yeah. I did.
0: Soberjack might have some different.
1: No, I didn't hate it. And maybe if that was like the one of a couple shows to watch, then yeah, it wasn't horrific. The first episode, hells no. <laughs> but I, I did not hate it.
0: Whereas for me, Deep Space Nine might actually be my desert island TV show. Like if I could take one. It might actually be DS9 Because I can get Almost all the nutrition I need Nutrition (laughs) Deep Space Nine
1: Do you take hot dogs or spinach? You take those hot dogs Yes you do More fat Um, but I think we made, a, we stated a good case. Yeah. I think it had pretty good, like I didn't hate both of the episodes. Yeah.
0: And I I only screamed out in rage one horribly obscene thing about semen and female genitalia. Yeah, so I'm feeling really, pretty good about that. I'm
1: feeling bad about it. It's really inappropriate. It is.
0: It's disgusting and I felt bad that I said it. Okay, good. Um.
1: <laughs> um we'll, we'll strike it even though we can't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe have dropped the volume a little bit on there. Yeah. So if you heard a screaming warble, I might have said something um, disgusting.
1: No, I think that... It had a pleasant outcome.
0: No, it was it was fun to look at. You know, it's it's. We were both behind the eight ball and different reasons for coming to the shows. You know, it's trek with with you, Jag, is always tricky because there's so much family history and baggage and fights and arguments about it. And so the fact that I got you to watch any of it, I take. (laughs) <laughs> as a moral victory, <laughs> that is a moral and but philosophical. Well, and I am glad victory.
1: that you got off your high horse and watched a show that I absolutely love, and you got it.
0: Just got it. Just fucking <laughs> stick it in there, don't you? It's gonna. I'm glad you got off your high horse and really watched. The no, show but in face.
1: in all in all honesty, I think that we were able to grow together as siblings. Yes. <laughs>
0: We stuck to the mandate of the show, and I guess you can't ask for much more than that. No, so so no. Oh, would you, Jack? No, what,
1: go please.
0: What? What is? Uh, well, first of all, if you are interested in watching any of these shows, if you'd like to know more, where can? What is uh, Jane the Virgin streaming on?
1: Netflix.
0: Netflix. Well, good news—you can stay there and watch all of the Star Treks. <laughs> Really?
1: <laughs> because Deep Space Nine is also streaming yeah, on Netflix.
0: As is Voyager, Next Generation, I think the original series and the animated series. Wow. So, But uh, if you're looking to get into Jane the Virgin, you have to start from minute one and buckle yeah. in for that ride. With Deep Space Nine, start from the beginning if you're feeling brave. <laughs> but in all honesty, start with the last two episodes of uh, season two. when Because if you don't see them introduce the Jem'Hadar, uh, you'll be lost So, start there, yeah, and then, then you're good, and then maybe once you're done, loop back and
1: watch *Jane the Virgin*.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bob. So tell us uh, what's coming up next episode, which is actually next week because we're behind.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So episode twelve. It's Christmas time. It is, it
1: is the most wonderful time of the year. it is.
0: It is the, the holiday season has begun. I know it's officially begun because they started playing Christmas music at work today.
1: Oh. Yeah,
0: I almost ate my own fucking head
1: a um, times. Oh, I've had Christmas music in the car for the last two weeks.
0: Oh, my God. We have some a playlist called Let It Snow. Some of it's fun, and but they were mixing it in. It wasn't just Christmas music, okay, Solid. they were mixing it in with yeah, other Yeah, you can't tunes. overdo it. But some of it's like, wow, this is great. And some of it's like, who let their fucking kids... Garage Band cover Frosty the Snowman. Oh, really? Like, this is just fucking sad. You
1: but do need to get a swear jar. This this episode is
0: out <laughs> of control. Oh, I've been way worse. But next episode is starting our Christmas content. So, uh, staying on message with uh, a little bit of verses, we're going to be looking at, we've each picked a Christmas movie that we feel really helps represent the meaning of the season. Now, I was given a few caveats for yes. picking this. Um I don't want to just defend Jack. I love Christmas horror movies. They're, Which is fine. They're so for the like the best ones are so sick and so and re- everything that's wrong with are the best in horror. Like, you shouldn't touch these sacred institutions, but at the same time, you should totally pee in their shoes. So, stuff like Silent Night, Deadly Night's kind of off the table. Christmas Evil's fun, but it's a little too much. So, we're staying out of horror this time. If you want to hear me talk about Christmas horror, there's a bunch of episodes on A Frame Apart. So, we are going to be looking at one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made, Die Hard.
1: (laughs) And the Hallmark Channel's Snowden Christmas. Ugh. Because I have an unhealthy obsession um, with Hallmark Christmas movies.
0: Jack is a trekkie for Hallmark Christmas yeah. movies, and you
1: know what? My husband is too. Because he'll like grumble about it and like make fun of me, but he's right there beside me on the couch watching them. We get invested, and now Sawyer loves them, and Logan loves them. Last night we watched the one with Jodie Sweetin.
0: They're so syrupy. <laughs> like it's, it's like when it
1: was called Mary and Bright. <laughs>
0: It's like when Bart and Milhouse get the squishy that's pure syrup.
1: And yeah, go you in know, that sugar though, pomo. and that I think is what's good about it. But you have to tune in next episode um, to see that dichotomy between is this a Christmas movie or is it garbage? Is this an action movie? Or is it garbage?
0: No, it's not. Die Hard is amazing. <laughs> I've never seen you, it. You can decide whether it's a Christmas movie or not, because okay. that's usually the eternal argument. Now, it's been solved. It is a Christmas movie.
1: Okay, well, we'll get more into that next episode.
0: Yeah. So, we want to thank you guys very much for joining us. We are, again, sorry that the episode was a little late, but, you I'm know, life. I'm not sorry. Life, I, 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 <laughs> are you sorry? I, yeah, a little bit. You know, I'm trying to, trying to be nice here to our, our listeners, so uh, that may happen from time to time, but we'll keep you guys posted, but we don't for the foreseeable future. We'll be back to yes. our, our every other Friday schedule. So in the meantime, feel free to check out SoundCloud and iTunes for any uh, back episodes you haven't listened to or might want to listen to again. We're also on Facebook. You can just search 14 Months Apart. Uh, reach out to us, say hello, or even just uh, click the links on there because that helps our traffic too. So it's or a, just the engagement just like listen stat. to the episode. <laughs> listen to that too. That's, that's pretty important. But thank you guys once again. Thank and you. remember, a lot can change in 14 months.